welcome to the IOD's Director's Briefing Podcast. This podcast is produced by the IOD's Policy Unit and provides timely updates, insights and commentary on the key issues of the day impacting business leaders. Hello, everyone. Um, This is Roger Barker here, and you are very welcome to the latest edition of the IOD Business Book Club. And I'm delighted to welcome um, this time Patrick Dunn, who is the author of an excellent book on boards, um, which I'm sure will be of great interest to Institute of Directors members. Um, just, to, just to say a bit about Patrick before we talk about the book, uh, Patrick is an extremely experienced um, board member. He's currently the chair of the EY Foundation. Um, he's chair of a board consulting firm called Board Delta, um, and he's a trustee of the um, Chartered Management Institute. And I know that uh, Patrick, in his earlier executive c- career, was at Three um, I Group. Um, and also joining us today is Monica Charda. Um, Monica is a senior media executive coach and an experienced board director with over 20 years experience in different industries and constructs. She serves on the boards of or as an advisor to several privately held companies and is on the board of the British Film Institute. Um, So what we're going to be discussing today is Patrick's book um, on boards. And I know, Patrick, that this is the second edition of a, a book which first came out in 2019. So perhaps you could just give us a bit of an overview of, of the book and also pr- explain why um, you thought it was important to produce a second edition um, just just three or four years after the first one was published. Yeah, great. Thank you. Well, um, I, I wanted to produce something that was a companion for people that really got to the sort of practical nuts and bolts of how you do things. My timing was was somewhat off in that the book was launched literally just as the pandemic was sort of starting to get underway. And so the reason there was a second edition was uh, I felt sort of um, quite soon that people uh, would want to have some views on, you know, well, how does the pandemic affect this? You know, how does this different way of communicating? I think the way the boards make decisions was changing. It's changing before, but it kind of had a boost from that. So uh, I didn't want to do that too quickly either. Uh, so I, I decided, you know, we would bring, we would do a second edition much earlier than um, than than we originally envisaged. Um, so that that was the logic for for that. Um, as to the um, the structure of the book, um, which a number of people have commented on, I I, I love triangles and uh, have done since I've been a small boy. Uh, I'm mildly dyslexic, so I have a sort of passion for maths, um, and um, I find triangles a very good way of synthesizing, simplifying complex issues. And and I was in a really bad board meeting one day, and I drew this triangle um, as as I was listening to the chaos around me, uh, which which was purpose, people, process, because it seemed to me that all of the issues that this dysfunctional board had were to do with, you know, lack of clarity of purpose, lack of alignment behind that purpose. They didn't have the right people and they weren't working together in the right way. 
and the process was all at the creek. Uh, so I thought, you know, if we're going to sort this board out, we need to focus on those three things. And that and that that actually is the structure of the book. Uh, so half the book is around purpose, people, and process, and half of the book are real life, uh, real examples. Uh, for directors to navigate uh, so you can go through practically well what would I do in that situation so it's not theory it's it's you know it's really grounded in practice I think yep yes uh, I mean obviously a lot has happened in those what actually short three or four years we've been hit by the pandemic uh, what have been the uh, specific topics and issues which you felt it's important to to now perhaps focus on slightly differently or slightly more um, in this edition of the book so um, probably the big things are, I think we've moved from what I call a maps world to a sat-nav world. So I think the maps world is one defined by, you know, annualized ritual kind of budgeting processes, very, very detailed strategic plans. And you kind of, it's quite easy for a non-exec, you know, management are doing their job if they're on budget and if they're on, they're achieving the, the milestones in the plan. But the world's a lot more complex than that now. We have a lot more live data and a, a lot, a lot more data, and so we like to make junctions as decisions as close to the junction as we possibly can. Hence the satnav analogy. And I think during COVID, that that trend became accelerated uh, because you know your your annual budget for October, which you probably did in October. 2019 became kind of irrelevant in March by March 2020 and I think people have got a lot more used to um, you know taking uh, having a more dynamic approach to decision making so that would be number one number two I think is around the composition of the board and I think just as we learned in the financial crisis you know who were passengers and who were who were kind of heroes and who had the resilience and strength of character to navigate through those things I think we learned that even more through uh, through COVID. And then I think linking possibly to the first theme, I think the amount of data savviness you require on a board is very different now. Um, and I think it's not okay to say, you know, well, other people have got the numbers kind of sorted. And, and I think the the data competence, if you like, of of boards has had to had to increase. Not they don't need to be mathematicians, but to understand what data you need to make the right decisions to be able to converse around data, to be able to um, interrogate uh, data and communicate is, is is really an important skill. But, you know, it's not something that tends to be in the search criteria, doesn't tend to be something people test in interview, does it? Um, yes. So those three things, I'd say, are probably the, 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 the three big things. Changes in the way the boards are making decisions, the um, data uh, data savviness and uh, and around board composition. Yes, I mean Monica, as I mentioned, you you had a lot of experience um, being on boards. I mean, reading Patrick's book, did it um, did it chime with you in terms of the picture he was painting of a board member's role? I mean, and and did you feel that it was something that you you were able to learn from, just despite having a good deal of experience? And I think I, 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 it's a great question, Roger. I think the first thing to say is that I think actually your own sort of CPD as a non-exec and to the extent that we are constantly learning and unlearning is, is very valuable. Um, and I mean, when I first got the book, 
Um, and it is it is a sizable book. First of all, let me tell you, it's a companion for life. And um, and uh, I literally read it cover to cover. And and that is because I think in some ways what, what Patrick does what Patrick does really well is that it is an easy read. First of all. Um, and this model of purpose, people and process resonated with me so strongly, such that actually everywhere I go, and it is certainly not my obsession with triangles, although I absolutely respect, um, and I say this respectfully, the geekiness of my esteemed colleague, Patrick, but I, but I think that actually sometimes the ability to make the complex simple and to break it down is very valuable because um sometimes in boardrooms what gets discussed or how it gets discussed and how you form your judgments because that's what we're really talking about um is key and i there was definitely moments when i read patrick's book and, and particularly the um reminding me of the stewardship the structures um the articles one thing I have to think about, and Patrick and I discussed this earlier, is it's there's so much value, even if you are an experienced non-exec. So whether you are board aspirant, board ready, um, whether you've had a you know a brilliant career as a Ned, is going back to the basics and reminding yourself um, what you are really there to do. And I think you know what sort of Patrick's point to make sure that you know you are there to to seek assurance around the strategy, um, resources, and governance to deliver the mission. Um, can is a good reminder that management is management and governance is governance, but that fundamentally it comes down to judgments um, and how you inform yourself and the sources of that intelligence. Um, and again, I think about the, the and, and I read the first edition, so um, this was sort of pre Zoom and Teams, but I also think, uh, you know, you, you even if you are a digital adopter versus a sort of a digital native, you have to really think about how you interpret that data um, uh, and, and take soundings from different people, again, to, to hone the way in which you form your reflections and your perspectives and be willing to change those um, as, as the data becomes available. Yes. What, what I really like about the book, Patrick, is the, is the way that you often uh, talk about the concept of dilemma, you know, because mm -hmm. often that's what boards are grappling with all the time, isn't it? The, 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 there is no single optimal solution. There, there are just a, a lot of, shall we say, suboptimal um, choices. And being a board member is all about working out which is, is the best one um, to choose. But um, I guess now, as we as we move into the uh, forward, um, there are many areas where boards um, have some tough choices, and the 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 issue which has really come to the forefront, I suppose, in the last few years since the, since the last edition has been this whole issue of sustainability and uh, associated with that um, ESG, um, whatever whatever that actually means. Um, do you have any thoughts about how boards should be um, addressing dilemmas in, in those areas? Yeah, I, I think the, the main way is actually having some clear principles which frame the decisions that you take. And I mean, I remember at 3i very clearly uh, feeling there was no uh, conflict between you know, value creation and ESG related related issues. And the reason for that was if you look at uh, growing the value of an organization, I mean, typically, you know, you you get the biggest lift in um, in value creation from earnings growth 
you then get, you know, probably a quarter of it is through selling the company or listing it on a higher multiple than you bought it. And, and only 10%, maybe less is financial engineering. So, and it's very difficult to sell a company with, with issues. So we would say to, you know, even the most rampantly entrepreneurial people that actually you're going to get a bigger multiple when you sell this. If you've got a highly engaged workforce, if you've got no environmental issues, you've got no issues with HMRC, uh, you, you know, investors in public markets think, you know, tick, 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 this fits the bill. Um, you know, you're, you're properly audited. You, you know, you've got health and safety kind of, you know, very strong record. Uh, you're going to get a higher multiple, but if you've got issues in those areas, then you're going to get paired away in the due diligence, either through the sponsor's due diligence or through, you know, an acquirer's due diligence. So don't waste your time arguing about, you know, it, it, we have to accept a trade-off for that. You don't really, um, it w w was my view. And we were able to prove that. Um, and and so I've never seen that, that conflict really. Um, and these days as well, I think with diff different generations um, in the workforce, you know, you've probably got five generations in the workforce now. Actually, you know, you you have to, um, if you want talent, you know, you you have to take account of this. Um, so you won't grow your earnings if you if you if your churn rate is super mm -hmm. high or if you can't you know can't recruit people. So I, I've always found it easier easy on a board where, where I'm chair to say, well, actually, you know, let's just be clear what our principles are. And then these things actually don't become such such a big issue. Yes, um, Monica. You know, Patrick talks a good deal about the principles that should underlie the composition of, of the board, and this is obviously remains a, a hot topic. Um, you know, we've had debates going on around how we increase um, diversity in board composition, um, and that sort of follows on from earlier debates about how we enhance the independence of of, of boards. What's, what are your feelings currently about um, who is sitting on boards of directors? Do we have the right people with the right skills? That's a big question. Um, I think it depends on the board, right? I mean, I think the reality is that there is more attention today on the combination of difference than there has ever been. But there's arguably also fatigue. And I think we have done a poor job of tackling um, sort of social mobility and class in a way because it's very difficult for for some people to talk about but uh, again I think you know when I, I I often think of diversity as sort of meeting people where they are so you know whether you are if you are really thinking about the bottom line then you need to think about how you yield that difference who who your customers are where your data points come from but that equally is about ensuring that you you have a range of people who have walked a different journey and the reality is there are so many ways to do this now whether it's board apprenticeship programs you know, the, the, horizon, boards. horizon yeah. boards pilot like there's so many things um and actually i sort of tend to think it's quite you know we every company is a recruitment business fundamentally um i just don't buy it myself when i see sort of companies struggle because even look, nobody is born board ready that's the reality but you might have an incredible competency um, around data analytics or cyber or, or you know whether you join as a sort of co-opted member as an observer however you may choose to do it but the other thing that I think you know 
Patrick talks about very elegantly in his book and something I strongly believe in and have done and implemented several times myself is the next generation board. Because, the, you know, when you are thinking about um, every company seems to be in transition or transforming and you want to make sure that you are hearing from different voices um, to the extent that you are horizon scanning for your future. And so for me, um, whether you're investing in a digital strategy, whether you are deciding, you know, to sort of move away from something and move towards something, it's making sure that you are tapping in to that combination of difference at the board, thinking long and hard about how you yield that difference. Um, and I think, you know, old is gold, but we also need to value younger voices um, and, and, and the different generations, you know, coming through the mm. door. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, it's a topic I feel very strongly about. I mean, when I was on the Higgs review, the thing um, which struck me at the time was when there were only 6% of the uh, directors were, were women, was actually, unless you solve the system problem, which is the pipeline, you're not going to make any progress. Now, we have that problem today with, with race. Uh, we have it in an even bigger way with in terms of social mobility i mean i think i used to joke for ages you know i'm probably the only chair from toxteth um that, that you don't sit on uh and also uh in terms of disability i mean we're not even talking about that and i i think that's appalling you know um you know look at the FTSE 250 and, and of course you know you can't see all disability but um, you know, look and listen to the FTSE 250 and, you know, it's a massive gaping gap. And and it's a loss, you know, it's a mm. loss to society that we don't have people with those lived experiences and perspectives. Um, there are very few. Um, so I, I think there's a great opportunity, but I think it's all about developing the pipeline for me rather than sticking a few more people of a certain type on, on, on boards. That's not going to solve things. That's, that's just sort of making it look better in the short term. Yes. Another aspect of the book that I, I really uh, appreciated was the discussion of, of boardroom dynamics and behaviour. Um, and this brings me to, I suppose, to the thorny issue of challenge in the boardroom. You know, that, that is often put forward as a, a crucial component, constructive challenge of a, of a boardroom discussion. But you know, what is the right level of challenge that you need on a board? You know, is, there, is it possible to have too much challenge such that the whole situation becomes dysfunctional? Um, what, what are we looking for here? So I, I think it's interesting. I, I did a LinkedIn article um, uh, a couple of weeks ago on this very topic uh, to build on some of the things that were in the book. And uh, I, th I think there's a there's a sort of positive edge that you need. And there's there's an art and a craft to, to a constructive challenge. So there's, what are you going to challenge on? Uh, you know, there really need to be the substantive issues. I, I use this analogy of an escalator approach. You know, a lot of people do that in terms of, you know, you go up the escalator of challenge, you start with a gentle question and then you move your way up. But I used it in, in, a, in, a, in a retail store kind of uh, context by saying, you know, sometimes the board gets, gets off at the first floor of the escalator and has a wonder about, forgets what it really came for suddenly realizes when it's too late that the thing it really wanted was on the third floor and can't can't quite get can't quite get there and it's all a bit frustrating i think getting in the zone before a board meeting is really critical so that you really focus your time your questions your inquiry 
on the things that are really of of substance and you work together as a board of exec you know exec and non-exec uh to really you know scrutinize whether you are making the right decision whether you have got the right information to make that decision and and so on so i think it's it's an art it's a craft um and there's certainly back to composition i think there's a lot about the character it's quite interesting in some of the board um uh, training and things that I, that I I do uh that's grown as something people want and want to practice more on so practice through role play practice through simulation those sort of ways of of doing this and the dilemmas if you like in the book are a very good example of that you know so you're placed in the role of a non-exec and you're asked you know what you what do you think the issues are and you know that should guide your questions yes i'm on a i wonder what you think i mean i suppose when you know when you're looking for um a board member there's a balance to be had between on the one hand finding someone who has the right knowledge the right experience uh, the right industry know-how to be able to contribute but also the having someone who has those personal qualities which enables them to constructively criticize and have a debate have discussion in a in a positive rather than a destructive way i mean is in your experience do boards get that right more often than they don't or is is, is the behavioral element still can that still be a big problem i mean i i suppose I suppose I certainly sat on boards where I thought, oh, my goodness me, <laughs> you know, uh, the EQ element really isn't there. But perhaps this individual got appointed because they had the right brand, so to speak. Um, and the way that I view it is you need a constructive tension on boards. And I think it's really important, particularly um, uh if you are if you are board aspirant, it's the first time you're joining a board, to really buddy up with somebody um, to you know for to, for the for the chair particularly I think because look, let's be honest the chair runs the board and the CEO runs the organisation, it's really important you know not only what you say and how you say it but what people hear, and so therefore, I think for me in the past it hasn't been enough of an emphasis um, and this is this is you know definitely the sort of nominations committee starting to move forward to spotlight but you know the, the way in which somebody might phrase something or inquire mm. about something it look it's unusual if you just think about the role of a ceo most people have one sort of reporting line or perhaps two and a CEO will go into a board and it might be eight or twelve or if you're in a university it might be 23 or 24 it's a very peculiar model. Mm. Um, and so mm. the ability, I think, to, to the human relational piece is fundamental to, to, to leadership effectiveness, both mm. as a NED and as, a, and as an executive. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there are lots of skills, I think, in terms of, you know, really good use of body language and also the ability to listen to what people think as much as they mm -hmm. say. Uh, I think that matters a lot. I mean, I always found, you know, in, in venture capital private equity days, you know, if the CEO was kind of gilding the lily somewhat, it was usually all over the CFO's face. So you just, you know, let the CFO, CEO bang on a bit and then you'd say to the CFO, you know, that we know when he said that, is it, are you comfortable with that? <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd kind of, you know, in a nice way with a smile, you could really unpick yeah. unpick something. And I, and I think, um, I mean, I, I found, you know, the, the irritatingly right end up just being irritating. Uh, 
uh, and, and about as useful as the sycophantically wrong. You know, you can get people who sort of charm the hell out of you, but their judgments off, off. Off. I think you need this balance of kind of the ability to empathise and uh, not make it personal, but just make it sound like a good inquiry to yeah. make sure that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yes. I would just add, Roger, that I think. Um, you know, Patrick talks about this one is second edition, but sort of reading the room is much harder on Zoom teams or whatever virtual platform you're using. And I think particularly when there is a difficult topic um, and, you know, video calls absolutely have their place. But I think when you're sort of talking about real matters of importance, body language and being able to pick up on those cues, I mean, if you are doing it virtually, um, you you have to pay even greater attention because it is business as unusual actually mm. yes and what's good that's happening now is you know a lot of people are setting their agendas based on you know so we do the big really critical things physically and we do the more you know the other things that we have to do virtually so people i think are having more board meetings but they're having some of those that are relatively short and then the physical ones they're having a bit a bit longer because you know you're getting together particularly if it's international so essa which i chair you know where we're we're across Africa. You know it's kind of it's quite an expensive thing to have a physical board meeting. So you're going to really make the most of that, uh, and you're really going to focus on the big strategic matters at that. And then the other things you can, you know, you can get uh, get through the rest of the year in in virtual meetings. Yes. Well, I think we've just scratched the surface of many of the things which are discussed um, in your book. But let me just come to my final question, which um, I suppose is the crucial one, which is and maybe I could put this to you first, uh, Monica. Um, would you recommend that IOD members um, go out and read this book? And if so, why? Well, I have to say the book was gifted to me. And... I wish I had had it earlier in my career. I mean, frankly, um, Patrick was inconsiderate because he hadn't written it earlier in my career. But it is truly a masterpiece because um, it goes into the purpose, people and process. The dilemmas at the end are extensive and they really make you think deeply. And I think that's often where the learning happens. Um, so for me, it is incredible value for money and it genuinely is a companion for life. Look, I'll say this. We we recently did some uh, building work at the house and uh, and one of the only books that I took with me when we left, and we've got a lot of books, was Patrick's book. So I think that <laughs> tells you that it wasn't just a doorstopper. It was genuinely a brilliant book, superbly well written. Um, and I, I commend I commend him on it. Well, uh, yeah, Patrick, it's perhaps unfair to me to put this question to you, given that you're the author. But I mean, just in terms of um, its relevance to IOD members, um, I, I suppose that a lot of IOD members are from SME type entities rather than the sort of FTSE 100 companies. Would you see this as being of equal relevance to them as it is to their, you know, as it would be for, for the larger company directors? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wrote it with directors, trustees, sort of across the many sectors and many sizes and many ownership models. And I talk a bit about the different types of ownership models. The context matters a lot. And the dilemmas are come from all sorts of ranges of, of sizes of companies and, and types of companies and situations. So, yeah, I, I wanted it to be a sort of universally useful um, it's for others to judge whether it is, but um, that was my aim. 
Well, Monica, Patrick, thank you very much for this discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Um, your book, Boards, is published by Governance Publishing, and I'm sure there'll be um, a link to further details on the on the blog post that we put out um, with this uh, podcast. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Roger. Thanks very much. We hope that you have enjoyed this Director's Briefing podcast. Please do subscribe to our channel to ensure that you are kept up to date on our future podcasts. You can find more information about our work on our website at iod.com forward slash news and on our LinkedIn and Twitter profiles. You can also contact us directly via policy unit at iod.com. Thank you.